Welcome to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini, the podcast where we meet the extraordinary talents, both on stage and off, working at Opera Australia. These conversations were all originally filmed for our streaming service, OATV. You can find more online at tv.opera.org.au, as well as full productions and behind-the-scenes footage. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to OATV and my very special guest today, the producer, Michael Castle. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to see you. Um, Look, we've we've had a few conversations about this, but I remember you mentioned to me once that the impetus for you wanting to be a producer uh, was seeing Jesus Christ Superstar. It certainly was. When I saw uh, Superstar in 1992, yeah. uh, it was the arena production that Harry and Miller produced. Yeah. And it was the first professional production that I had seen. Mm. I had you know, always loved music. I loved kind of singing and dancing as a kid. But it was the first time I went into a proper venue. Yeah. Sydney Entertainment Centre. And I was blown away. Yeah. I was like, wow, I yeah. can't believe you can have this experience as an mm. audience member. Um, and so, you know, I lived down the coast with uh, my family and so I remember driving the two hours home and reading mm. the program and, <laughs> you know, not being able to go to sleep that night. Going, yeah. Who are all these people and how does the show go on? And yeah. that, yeah, that was, that was but, my but, hook. But you, and you said you wanted, from that time you wanted to be a producer. You didn't want to be a performer? You didn't want to be on stage? Up until then I did. Yeah. Up until the age of 12 I thought I wanted to be a performer. Yeah. Uh, thankfully I had the realisation <laughs> that I had no talent so the superstar couldn't have come at a better time. But yeah, you know, growing up, you know, young talent time was a big yeah. thing in our house, and I've mm. got uh, two younger brothers and a younger sister, mm. and so every Saturday night used to be the you know devoted young talent time viewing yeah. with mum and dad, and you know we used to tape all of the episodes on wow. VHS cassette, and you know then I'd make my you know two brothers and my sister you know reenact young talent time, so we used to put it <laughs> on in the family room. I think every family gathering, every family birthday was always a concert or a performance yeah. of you know me being the lead and you know, my aunties being backup singers and my yeah. brother playing you know guitar, oh, and that evolved into you know putting stages on the spare block of land next door to our house and yeah. inviting the neighbours. So I was a frustrated performer, yeah. Um, but I th- yeah, it was really the realization that okay, there are other roles, yeah, yeah. and you don't have to be a performer. Uh, that's I that's what really appealed to me. And I think you you put on a show when you're about fifteen. For 3,000 people or something, yeah? That was my first sort of foray uh-huh. into being a producer. I, um, I had written to Harry and Miller after, not long after seeing yeah. Superstar. I was in um, year six. Yeah. I said, dear Harry, I've just seen uh, Superstar. I loved it. I'd like to come and work with you as a producer. And he wrote back, he said, dear Michael, I suggest you go to high school first. <laughs> Good luck, keep in touch. And so I spent the next couple of years, you know, I was doing some amateur theatre with a local theatre company and, you know, trying to sort of just think of a way. You know, I wanted wanted to work. I always want to work. You know, school was great and, you know, I was doing my musical studies, but I wanted to find a way to be a producer. Mm. I just had this sort of uh, buzz. So I thought it was in January 95. I remember I said to my mum and dad, I said, look, we just celebrated Christmas, so obviously mm. it was top of mind. I mm. said, I'm going to put on a Christmas show. Uh, but, you know, my thought was it gives you 12 months to plan it. Yeah. I thought people love Christmas, so yeah. there's a ready-made audience. 
and in Kayama there was this amazing sporting field. So yeah. you would appreciate this yeah. with all of the large scale events that yeah. Opera Australia does. But it was you know the quarry, and so you know my picture was you could light up the quarry. Mm. It would be a beautiful backdrop. You'd get an orchestra. You'd have a mass choir, and then you'd have all these performers. So. Mm. I set about trying to organise it, and you know, fast forward 12 months, and we had a number of special guests, you know, right. from TV and theatre mm -hmm. come and perform, and we had a 40-piece orchestra and had a 300-mass choir, and you know, we got 3,000 people. I hoped that we'd get a couple of hundred, yeah. so naturally, I sort of was hooked, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. well and truly by then, and thought, That's no, fantastic. this is great, I love it. But then, well, since then, you had extraordinary success. It's been fantastic, and you went and worked for Disney for a while. So do you want to talk a bit about that and taking shows to you know places where the Lion King hadn't been, for example? Yeah, look, like that. Disney was the for me that was my training as mm. being a proper training as being a producer, and it was the most exceptional time working for so them. So how did you get that job? Well, I'd been so out of high school. Funnily enough, as things work out, I had been working for Harry and Miller, so yeah. he ended up <laughs> relenting and offering me a job. <laughs> and during that time, I, I had the good fortune of working with James Thane, who yeah. was. Uh, uh, Harry's managing director, and prior to that, had set up Cameron Macintosh, mm. really useful. And then when Disney set up in Australia, they tapped James to be uh, the head mm -hmm. of the managing director here, and James brought me over as his assistant. Mm -hmm. And it was just great schooling. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. you know, learning yeah. on the ground how do you pull a show together in this amazing organisation, yeah. working on an amazing show. Yeah. Um, but fast forward, you know, a number of years, I ended up being able to go and move to New York and work with mm -hmm. the company over there responsible for producing their productions internationally. Yeah. And my first assignment was moving to South Africa mm -hmm. and uh, being based in Johannesburg for six months. Mm -hmm. And we were overseeing the building of a brand new theatre while pulling together the very first production of Lion King in South Africa, which was tremendously exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was it was great. And Well, Lion King, I think you know, I'm right in saying it's the most successful musical of all time. It is. It's it just is. A and I think what, what kind of always surprises everybody, if you ask anybody, what's the most successful form of entertainment in mm. any format? Mm. You know, you think of Avatar, you think of Harry Potter, mm. you think of all of the huge movie franchises mm. or, you know, the huge number one records and albums. But actually, it's the Lion King stage production, yeah. which has outgrossed any CD, any movie, any television here in the world. So yeah. it is, you know, and I think it, obviously, that's testament to what a great show it is on yeah, stage yeah, yeah. and what Julie Tamel's created Absolutely. And, and the way it continues to engage audiences in any language, yeah. you know, 23 years on. Yeah. But since then you set up Michael Castle, the Michael Castle Group. Um, so I don't forget my name. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple. Um, and again, you've had extraordinary success. Yeah, it's, it's been a, an amazing adventure. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, you know, I had the hope that we'd just be able to work with really great people mm. and work on great shows and just have fun. And yeah. I, I love it every day, you know, and lots of people say this about their work. Um, and I'm fortunate to sort of be able to join them to mm. say, it's fun going to work. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, you get to work with great people and you say, what are we going to do today? Yeah. What are we going to create? Who are we going to work with? What can we do? Mm. And everybody in the company has that same spirit. Mm. It's fun. But, I mean, all the shows you've produced in Australia, it seems to me, have gone phenomenally well. Um, but then, you know, we came to 2019 or 2020 and COVID-19 came along and you had Harry Potter in Melbourne uh, that you've had to put on you know, hold. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because you know the, the Princess Theatre was renovated in the most beautiful way. It looks fabulous. It's a fabulous show. And then suddenly, you're not allowed to perform. Mm. Look, it was certainly, I mean, 
no, none of us knew, mm. nobody knew that this was upon mm. us. But I think for us, it was a huge surprise because yeah. we had just celebrated our one year anniversary. We mm. had such an exciting celebration at the beginning of March. Mm. We had welcomed some new cast members. We had enjoyed record success mm. in our first year. And so we'd all been together. We had a bit of a celebration. And two weeks later, the show was dark. Mm. Um, and that was, you know, that was really difficult. It yeah. was, um, it was, you know, certainly the most challenging thing I've ever had to mm. deal with and, mm. you know, continue to deal with. But I think you know, the way the whole team have, have approached it, the way we've been able to look after our cast and crew mm. the best we can, the way we've been able to look after our audience members. You mm. know, a lot of people have been buying tickets well in advance mm. in the hope of seeing the show. Yeah. And for some of them now, we've had to, you know, postpone the show two yeah. or three times. They've been yeah. impacted. But that audience is staying with us. Oh, that's fantastic. We're extremely fortunate that we've been able to keep the company together. Mm. And that's rare in our industry. Yeah. So many people haven't been able to do that. And, you know, we are lucky. Uh, you know, I acknowledge that if it wasn't for, you know, the initiatives of the government here, we wouldn't be able to do that. So yeah. we, we don't take that kind of, um, that lightly, that we've yeah, been yeah, in yeah. that great position. But, you know, We've been doing what everybody else has been doing and trying to navigate it the best we can, mm. trying to find a way forward. Mm. I think, you know, you, you've been in the same position. Yeah, yeah. It's looking at the A to Z of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's challenging when you don't have a date to, yeah. to aim for, you know, certainly to get things back up and running. But I'm hopeful we'll, we'll see Potter back up as, as soon as we can and we're yeah. just, you know, crossing our fingers and waiting for that day to arrive. Yeah, what well, is it to say, you know, none of us know what's going on because it's totally out of our control. And I think that's the most one of the most frustrating things about it. But I mean, the, the investment, the huge amounts of money that are invested in a show like Harry Potter, where, and again, as I said, you renovated the Princess Theatre. It's it, it's a beautiful looking place now. And when you're in the show, you feel as a, like a, well, as an audience member that you're actually in the show. It's not, you know, well, I'm in a theatre and it's happening over there. You feel as though you're actually in it. I think that's what's, you know, so very special about mm. Harry Potter, that the moment you walk through the doors of the Princess Theatre, you're immersed in this magical world mm. of Harry Potter. It's fantastic. And, you know, to be able to do that, it's very rare to, you know, be able to create this whole uh, in encompassing environment. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, we will, we've committed to returning as soon as it's, as soon as we're able to do so. Yeah, it's yeah. a long-term ambition of ours to be in Melbourne for a very long time. Yeah. So as soon as we're allowed to return, we'll be back opening those doors and yeah. welcoming audiences yeah, through. I'm sure it'll be a huge success, or continue to be a huge, huge success. Um, but you've got another big show uh, that opens in March, I think, in Sydney, Hamilton. And again, this is a phenomenon, you know. It's, um, it reminds me, I mean, it's a totally, totally different show. But the success that The Lion King had, Hamilton seems to have that sort of momentum too. Look, there's just such a groundswell of excitement about mm. Hamilton. And I think we really, given everything we've all been experiencing this mm. year particularly, we've all needed that to look forward <laughs> exactly, to. Yeah. So for us, it's been exciting focusing on Hamilton this year because mm. it's actually given us you know, a show to produce and it's been mm. in pre-production and we've been making casting offers and mm. you know, the year started with auditions. Uh, and the show's phenomenal. And yeah. it comes back to you know the genius of Lin-Manuel Miranda and mm. that exceptional story that he's created mm. on stage, you know, along with his, you know, Tommy Kale, who's the director, and Andy Blankenbuehler, who's a choreographer. It's it's unlike musical theatre that you've ever seen. Certainly, mm. you know, when I went and saw it, I was blown away. Yeah. Um, and well, as you say, it's completely unlike any other musical. 
but it's been a phenomenal success in the States. It has been. And, you know, people ask, why, why do you think the show will resonate here in mm. Australia? You know, a lot of people are familiar that, you know, it's about the American founding fathers, yeah. American history. But, you know, at its core, it's a great story. Mm. It's a story of, of one man, Alexander Hamilton, who had great intellect, great mm. ambition. And it charts his journey, you know, mm. it's his relationship with his wife, with his family, mm. with his colleagues. Who, and, you know, he goes on to become the you know, right-hand man to George Washington. Uh, he, you know, becomes the first uh, Treasury Secretary. But, you know, it's, it has all of these kind of historical significance, mm. but actually it's an emotional, personal story. Mm. And I think that's why, you know, as audience members, we connect with it. And, mm. you know, I always say, Les Mis worked as a story and mm. not many of us knew the detail of the French Revolution. Yeah. The same applies to Hamilton. And yeah. when you combine it with all of this incredible contemporary music, you know, it's there's, of course, traditional Broadway show tunes, but there's yeah. rap and hip-hop yeah, exactly. and jazz yeah. and, and everything in between. Mm. It's really an eclectic score. And I think that's what, you know, audiences here are discovering you know people have heard it on the mixtape people mm. have heard the cast recording and now you know they've uh, they've memorialized the original broadway company mm. so people are now actually able to see it on their on disney plus yeah and so you know what you're getting and yeah, i yeah. think that's what i'm excited to see is when people get into the theater and get to experience in its original format live for the mm. first time that's going to be something exceptional yeah yeah absolutely i mean we've sort of glossed over a few things here but um getting the rights to something like harry potter and the rise to Hamilton, arguably the, the two most successful shows in the world at the moment, is not easy. So, you know, the original creators um, must have had a lot of confidence in you uh, to be able to do it because I'm sure there are a lot of producers lining up saying, pick me, pick me. <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about how, how you went about that initially before you were, you know, Michael Castle at the moment who, you know, yeah. can do these things? Well, look, the, I mean, looking at Hamilton, I went and saw that in September, October of 2015, so not long after mm. it opened. And at that stage, we had, you know, we'd been operating for just over a year. We yeah. had just opened Les Mis down in Melbourne. Mm. And I saw it. I was blown away. I thought, I have to do everything I can to be involved in this show right. because it was sort of like a superstar moment where yeah, you yeah, get yeah, the goosebumps yeah. and like, I just yeah, want to be a part of it. Yeah, uh, and so I went and met with Jeffrey Seller, who's the Broadway producer, mm -hmm. and said, Jeffrey, I'm just so passionate about your show. I will do anything to mm -hmm. take care of it and look after it. And I think, you know, our job as a producer is, particularly a producer in a foreign market like Australia when you're far away from mm. the original creative team who have cared and nurtured that show since inception. You know, our job is to be a steward and mm. it's to protect their creation yeah. and it's to look after the art, it's to ensure the commercial viability and mm. success and to take care of all of the participants. And you know, I said to Jeffrey, I promise you I will look after this as if it's my own. Mm. And I think, you know, that was sort of my pitch. Mm. Um, and, you know, thankfully, Jeffrey, you know, decided to, to do the show with us. Mm. The same with Potter. Mm. I went and sh saw the show uh, back in November of 16. Mm. I was going through But, when, you know, it's still a number of years ago, you know. So, you know, with Hamilton, that's five years. Yeah. Uh, and six it's years a long in time. the planning. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, you know, partly the, the reason why these shows take so long to get to Australia is part of our challenge and, uh, you know, it's something I'm always talking about is, you know, with the limited theatre infrastructure here, mm. our theatres are, are booked so far in advance, yeah. you know, 
always with great shows, yeah. but it means you need to really plan early in order mm. to get your run of dates. It's always a surprise to Broadway producers and West End producers mm. because while there's great demand on their theatres, you tend to be able to, with the, with the turnover of shows and just the amount of theatres that you know they have in those two markets, you can get a theatre you know, within a short space yeah, of time, yeah, usually. Yeah. So when we start having these conversations and we're planning the shows and we say, well, we're planning four or five years in advance, yeah. it surprises them all. But, yeah. you know, it's just the nature of the market here and, and how we operate. But it does take a lot of planning. Mm. Uh, but, you know, good things come to those who wait. That's and it's, true. It's, it's, it's worth waiting for. But just talking about that, um, do you think Sydney needs more theatres? Melbourne and Brisbane need more theatres? I certainly do. Yeah. I think so. I think, you know, it's such a buoyant market here, particularly yeah. in, in Sydney yeah. and Melbourne. I think Sydney desperately, we're, you know, we're so well served with the Capitol and yeah. the Sydney Lyric and, and with the Theatre Royal coming mm. online next year. You know, they're, they're great venues, but we need we need more. You yeah. know, Melbourne's well serviced, but, you know, I think Melbourne, we've been there many times when all theatres have been full yeah, and yeah. all of those shows have been very successful. Yeah. And I think success breeds success. And Absolutely. I think if we as an industry want to continue to develop and evolve an audience, mm. let alone an industry, then we need more homes to accommodate these shows so we can all take the take the risks and mm. make that investment, create more shows on stage, and indeed, you know, go and develop shows. You know, yeah. that's a big focus for us, certainly over the past 18 months. And yeah. given uh, this year, we've been spending a lot more time on acquiring rights, speaking to yeah. creators about, let's go and originate our own shows. Yeah. And, that's hard to do when there's so such limited infrastructure yeah, because yeah. obviously you want a Hamilton and you want a Harry Potter or a yeah. Book of Mormon and a Wicked on stage. Exactly. You know, our audiences are demanding that and mm. you know we want to have the same experience that international audiences are having. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you know to really develop local creatives, local stories, um, and you know actors and crew mm. and musicians, we want to be originating our own because that's where you really get to dig in. I think that's why many of us are a part of the theatre, hmm. you want to create a story, you yeah. want to start with a blank piece of paper. And I hope that, you know, as as years evolve and as, as the industry continues to evolve, we'll be doing more of that. Mm. But I think that comes back down to having the right, you know, structure there to, yeah, exactly. to accommodate our, you know, to be our homes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people talk about developing new work, and I know you're doing a hell of a lot of it, but the problem is, um, the resources aren't there to, to, when you've got something to put on, all the theatres are booked, for you know a number of years, and so what do you do? Well, we'll wait around, and maybe we'll be able to get a theatre in four or five years' time. Exactly, it makes it very, very difficult. It certainly does, and it you know protracts obviously the development process. But yeah. also, there's a, I think you know when there is so much concentration of you know, big hit shows that mm. are well proven, you know from a theatre owner's perspective, and indeed you know all of the other stakeholders mm. are involved. You know that's a that's a obvious decision to go and book these kind of big musicals into the theatres. Yeah. But we need the additional infrastructure of various scales so that yeah. we can educate an audience because you can't, it's not fair to go and create a brand new work mm. and put that on stage against something that has gone through the development process, yeah. Yeah. that has been workshopped many, many times over, that has had an out of town tryout yeah. and then has established itself as a hit. Yeah. You can't put those, I don't think, side by side and be demanding the, the same ticket price, the same run length, et cetera. So yeah. that's where I think, again, you know, the investment in the infrastructure helps kind of create a much more buoyant theatrical industry yeah, for, yeah. for Australian audiences and for the Australian theatrical industry. Yeah. And as we know, you know, when there is a theatre district, when you've got a number of theatres, then, of course, there are restaurants. 
Absolutely. People want to go to the sh uh, restaurant before they go to the show. They can walk a short distance and they're in this fabulous theatre. They go and have a drink after. And the whole industry supports that and grows. And it's a fantastic thing. But yeah. It I certainly agree. does. And I think, you know, that's certainly why, you know, we work a lot with tourism mm. agencies in, in across the country because yeah. it has such a substantial economic impact on the cities where these shows play. You know, yeah. people travel intrastate, interstate or yep. from overseas. You know, 50% yep. of, of audience members in our first year on Harry Potter travelled to Melbourne. And so that means you're paying airlines, yep. your overnight accommodation, Hotels, you're yeah. buying your meals, you're yeah. having other experiences. Yeah. So it's not just the show, even yeah. though that's what gets us all excited and, yeah. and it's what's on stage. But the the you know outreach into the eco local economy is really substantial and yeah. i think sometimes that's overlooked i think yeah. certainly the industry has been championing that more particularly this year when mm. we've had to explain what is the flow on effect of, of it's not just actors and it's not just crew and mm. creative personnel mm. but we've got you know companies that are building sets or mm. are building you know there's a whole workshop out at the moment in Leichhardt yeah. for us that are building shoes and costumes for for hamilton yeah uh, let alone the, the transportation companies and the freighting yeah. companies and everybody that's involved. So yeah, the number of people employed in, in our business is a huge number, huge number. It is, and, and often I, people forget about that. It, they do, and I think you know it's a it's a responsibility of all of us in the industry to keep articulating mm. just the breadth of people involved mm. and and how many people we support. Yeah, you know a production like um, like Hamilton, you know there'll be well over 120 people on the payroll for yeah. that show. Yeah. You know, week in, show. week out, yeah. let alone all of the other stakeholders that are supporting the production, be yeah. it the marketing agencies, the advertising agents, publicity, uh, media buying, mm. sound, lighting, mm. etc. So it's really, it's a it's a big network of, of people involved. That, you know, it's important shows. Too, to, to mention that um, these shows can run for a year, more, in one city. Mm. and then into another city. So the, 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 the flow and effect right through the country can be massive. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, as you know, the, the market here in Australia has continued to demonstrate, it's very sophisticated. Mm. You know, it's why a lot of these shows want to come to Australia. Mm. They, you know, they enjoy great success. Mm. You know, producers obviously want to, you know, be bringing these shows to Australia, if, you know, from from Broadway in the West End. Yeah. And it's the cities in which they're accommodated they benefit substantially. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a big industry, and we we need it to keep continuing and to be supported. Yeah, we do. You spoke before about the, the breadth of what we do, and um, your company. Um, uh, as, 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 um, well, it does a lot more than producing shows. So you have um, you manage people, um, Julia Gillard and various other people. Um, do you want to talk a bit about how you've grown the company and expanded its reach? Sure. When I first set up the company, um, or sort of before I set up, I spent some time writing a business plan. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought, if I'm going to go be a producer and set up my own company, mm. I want to you know, make sure I'm doing this properly. Yeah. And you know, my philosophy at the beginning was to have a few legs under the table mm. because I only ever want us artistically to be involved in shows that we're really passionate about. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that they're always going to be a hit, mm. but we're going to love it and be a part of yeah. that journey 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. And what I thought about was I didn't want to just produce shows for the sake of producing shows. Mm. Yeah. I'd rather go lay on a beach or do something completely mm. else. So I thought, well, if I don't want to lay on a beach, what else can we be doing? And so I decided that we'd be involved in 
finding these great hit shows to, mm -hmm. to bring to Australia and either and touring them around the world as we've been doing over the past three years with The Lion King. Mm -hmm. I wanted to dip our toe into to concerts. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's about working with great people yeah. and providing a great experience to our audiences. So we've been doing a bit of that over the past mm -hmm. couple of years. Everything from uh, Celeste Barber, we did her Australian New Zealand mm -hmm. tour last year. Uh, Leia Salonga, who we uh, have toured twice, mm -hmm. and Darren Chris, the television and Broadway yeah. star. Uh, we've dipped our toe into uh, sort of ceremonies and events. Mm -hmm. We uh, staged the largest ever Royal Edinburgh military tattoo last year, which was completely, <laughs> you know, huge and spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, kept saying to the team, look, it's just some pipes and drums. And everybody, as we were watching just everybody load into the stadium, it. there was a lot of it. But, you know, that was fun. And again, yeah. it's just, you know, it's about challenging ourselves creating some mischief and, mm -hmm. and putting on a good show. And earlier this year, uh, we staged the opening celebration for the World Cup T20. Mm -hmm. And you know, that was exciting. Again, yeah. we started with the blank piece of paper, brought on an incredible creative team and, and put a show together. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we want to go and create our own stories and mm -hmm. our own IP. So we've been doing that for a, for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And then the management side, you know, I really inherited that from my experience working with Harry and Miller at yeah, the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, what I loved about that was working with just incredible people, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, when you can be inspired by people, really be passionate about who they are and what they do, you know, I like making deals, I like negotiating, I like thinking strategically and thinking, yeah. okay, you're here, how do we get you over here or mm. how do we evolve? And you know, I was fortunate to represent uh, Ms Gillard mm. after she left Parliament and you know, she's, she's exceptional. Yeah. Uh, we look after Liz Hayes, yeah. uh, who we've signed recently and again, somebody who's so established and yeah. so phenomenal. And uh, then Lord Sebastian Coe, he, yeah. uh, he called me actually the day after I had opened Kinky Boots in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And he said, Michael, I'm in Australia, your name's uh, been mentioned to me, I'd like to meet. And you know, mm -hmm. I've looked after him and you know, he's been doing some things here in Australia, which Fantastic. is great. Yeah. So it's just diverse. It's yeah, about, yeah, you know, yeah. no one day is the same. And what I love is that one minute we can be having a conversation about casting of Hamilton. Mm. The next minute we're talking about taxation for the Lion King. <laughs> yes. You know, we're talking about merchandise and then we're doing a media deal. Yeah, so yeah. it's a, it's yeah. it's fun and I think you know it certainly keeps the energy up in yeah. our team and just exposes us to a lot and I think through that we all learn and we get better at producing and, and at our respective jobs in the organization yeah well Michael it's been fantastic talking to you today thank and you very much for having me well no it's been a pleasure and your, your passion and your energy and and devotion to the industry is really wonderful so um, we wish you all the continued success. Well, and to you too. Thank you. Here's and to a busy and exciting 2021. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you again for coming. Thanks, Linton. Thank you for listening to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini. We hope you've enjoyed the chat and we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. That way, you'll get each new episode as they're released. We also hope to see you in the theatre in the not-too-distant future. And you can stay up to date with all we've got going on at opera.org.au.